0: to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Don, it's a pleasure to have you back on the show, man. How have you been? Good, good, good to see you, Robbie. It's always good to talk with you. So are you ready for the big question of the day? What is your perspective on the deep state? I know that word gets tossed around a lot, and people sometimes go, oh, yeah, deep state and roll their eyes. But I think through probably the Kennedy assassination subject, I've just learned more about like the Cold War, learned more about intelligence operations to acknowledge that, yeah, there's a serious issue, whether it comes into our security agencies or it just comes into a deep connection with business um, that our government has into many institutions that we would think that wouldn't be cut with our government?
1: I think the, the term deep state is just the latest iteration of uh, what a lot of us have been talking about for a very long time. You know, when I was a very young guy, I read a, a, a scientific trilogy called Illuminatus. It used me to the Illuminati. And uh, lots of people still talk about them, but it's, it's basically, it's the deep state is acknowledging that there's something there kind of above everything else that's uh, running things. It's not just a corrupt individual. It's just a thing. And I think uh, I would argue that whatever, and I think the deep state is kind of an accurate term for like Washington, D.C., the political establishment there. But I still think there is something above all call it Illuminati, whatever you want to call it. But I think it's, it's an acknowledgement that people, if, if people read my hidden mystery and crimes and Ups, the prequel to that, uh, they'll see, I have all the historical figures on the record. I mean, and many of them were you know Hall of Fame conspirators and uh, they all talk about this power behind the scenes. There are people behind things behind the scenes that are running things that, you know, even they don't seem to know about So I think there's something there behind the scenes and, uh, Deep state, I think, is maybe the Washington D.C. version of it—the way the establishment works and uh, this kind of uh, bipartisanship when it needs to be bipartisanship; otherwise, they're just warring over stupid things. But some people get, you know, object to the term "deep state" because. It. But uh, it's just—it's just the latest term, I think. Of an acknowledge it. There's something greater than being acknowledged by uh, mainstream media.
0: I just learned how tightly connected the government was to everything like learning about like the history of Hollywood and just learning about the military influence into Hollywood, whether it's to make propaganda films or things of that sort, but also like the – some of the tension it puts on some of the actors and celebrities. I mean to a point now where celebrities getting so involved in a propaganda film or something like that that now there we have celebrities that just openly give medical advice. We have celebrities that openly come out and say things that are like Woody Harrelson talking about the whole pandemic issue. And we don't have to get into that. That's for your next book we'll talk about uh, when I have time to read it and everything. But I start going – this is a really weird domestic operation that's going on, and I know that sounds a little bit conspiracy-like, but I'm just going, what is it doing to our perception of things? I mean, if you're having movies like Lone Survivor that come out and then afterwards kids want to sign up at their local recruitment station, what can we acknowledge that? Can we talk about that, or does that get lumped into the conspiracy category? I mean – it's operation mockingbird is a good historical example of something that never truly ended like people said or articles want to say that it ended but you're looking through documentation you're just saying oh my god you guys are involved in not only our media which is supposed to give us whatever the news is or whatever their narrative is but you're also influenced into our movies do i have to watch what my kid watches yeah no it it's And I think I I go I quote
1: this a lot from I don't know if you've heard of James Forrestal. He was uh, the first Secretary of Defense. He used to call him Secretary of War in the, but uh, under Truman it became Secretary of Defense. He was Harry Truman's Secretary of Defense. He was. um, They say he jumped out of a window at Bethesda Naval Hospital. He he clearly was pushed. No question about it. But he was good friends with Joe McCarthy, and uh, Joe McCarthy is one of the people that I'm trying to restore his reputation. I think he's been treated unfairly, but. He and McCarthy, and McCarthy would later, I think he murdered at Bethesda Naval Hospital himself a few years later, as a matter of fact. He went in for a a knee problem and died two days later at 48, no autopsy, nothing. This is the hidden history that's out there. But uh, Forrestal told McCarthy one time, and I quote it all the time because it bears repeating, he said, you know, McCarthy, if there wasn't this giant conspiracy, once in a while they'd make a mistake in our favor. That's what I argue all the time, is if, if there's the main conspiracy is to push on people that everything is random. Everything's coincidence there. And that's why they object so much to the conspiracy term, because it implies that there's some kind of planning, some kind of chicanery going on. And of course they don't want you to think they're ever doing that. You know, they're the, they're the greatest people in the world. We all kind of conspire every time we, if we plan a surprise birthday party for somebody, we're, we're not telling you know, So the conspiracies are part of everyday life. Clearly, uh, they are conspiring all the time. It's the way they do business. They don't know any other way to do it. But if, this was ra- if there was randomness involved, then randomly, suddenly you'd have some good people popping up in Congress. You'd suddenly have a Congress where more than half of them are honest, and they got something good done. Uh, you'd have somebody wanting pushing things, and not, not since my boy Huey Long, because they killed him in 1935. He's the last politician that was constantly talking about giving people something. But bestowing blessings upon the people. That was his campaign. Nobody's talked about it since then. It's it's always sacrifice. You're going to have to give up. You want people living to paycheck to paycheck. No, you need to give up more. You need to lower your standard of living. There would be people contradicting that. And there never is. Everyone's with the program, whether they realize it or not. Maybe they realize they can't say stuff. I don't know. But this randomness wouldn't exist. If, uh, if there were no, if there wasn't some kind of conspiracy, some kind of mechanism controlling it, because there's, look at the people that we see that are in charge at these levels. I mean, I know there's no expression, uh, you know, everybody, all people can rise to their own level of incompetence. I mean, we, there's always kind of an acknowledgement, that maybe the wrong people have been in charge, but the people that are in charge now are just so bad. I mean, just look at them in Congress or. People like Lori Lightfoot and Gavin Newsom—people at that level that we didn't see until COVID brought them out in the light, like roaches. Uh, these are the worst people on earth, and they're just monumentally incompetent. They don't know anything. I don't know if you saw the other day it was, a, but it was another illustration of the kind of people we have in Congress. I think Her name was Linda Sanchez. I'd never heard of her, but they were the Democrats. Of course, are now full anti-whistleblower mode. So they had these. Um, these whistleblowers coming through and talking about what the FBI is planning. I wrote an article on something like this a couple months back for American Free Press, where I write last America's last free newspaper. Uh, uh, we talked about the FBI infiltrating the Catholic Church, and they're trying they're put, at putting um, undercover operatives, and they're much like they did to the KKK and the Black Panthers back in the sixties, and they've always done they January 6th, undoubtedly, uh, to try to to find out who in the congregation might be. Who traditionalists, or you know, who might be you know willing to be too radical? But this is a real thing. So uh, these people were talking about the FBI was doing this, and this woman Linda Sanchez quotes from this Twitter account, and it it had the same name as the witness, but it wasn't the same guy. So that's not my Twitter account. And she kept going. She kept saying, "Well, what do you think about that?" And he goes, "It's not my Twitter account." So these are the worst people on earth. No normal person, any normal person would say. Oh, I'm sorry, I apologize. They're on my uh, they staff about it. No, he kept going with it. you watch a lot, of, if you watch some of these congressional hearings, it's it's really it's like watching a train wreck, but you see, these are the and I don't think that can happen accidentally. I I've worked with lots of incompetent people, but none of them are as incompetent as these people that just, you know, once the mistake is they made a mistake and it's obvious, you still keep pushing on it. You feel like they can't
0: acknowledge it? They can't acknowledge it because if they do, then everyone can just point back to the thing that they did acknowledge that they got wrong in the first spot. So it's always doubling down. I mean, it's not that they haven't seen the new information because they get shown it. They've seen it. It's just the quick denial of it and saying conspiracy theory, misinformation, disinformation, and then they move on, which is like, that's not what that is at all.
1: Right. Exactly. And that's why, you know, if you, and that's why I'm much more extreme than most people. People tell me all the time, "You think everything's a conspiracy," and I said, "Well, you know, everything that happens in public life is part of the great conspiracy, and that is these are people. They're by any definition, they're conspirators. And you look up at the in hidden history, I, I included the definition of conspiracy, and uh, they meet that definition. And it's basically they don't know any other way to do business. They've been doing business like this for so long; it's the only way they know how to do it." And they conspire. And I mean, if you see some of the things from JFK assassination or anything like, that, you look at some of the things they withheld, it's like there was no need to. It wasn't significant, but they just they do it instinctively. It's, this is part of their uh, their mindset. They don't know any other way, so they blanch it. They, that's why they hate whistleblowers or anything like that because they don't want people to expose what's going on, no matter what it is. And uh, I don't know how altie you would define that except for uh, conspiracy. So call it the deep state. Um, Call it whatever you want, but it's uh, the people that, and you know, in Trump's case, I believe he was an actor. And I said I call him Trumpenstein because I think it was like Frankenstein; he was created to be an actor and divide the country, which he did. But just his rhetoric, which he never really acted on, but just his rhetoric about immigration and senseless wars, infrastructure, those kind of things, fake news—that just made the the again the people that are. They're conspiring, knowingly or unknowingly, they went apoplectic. That's why they have such hatred for this actor that no one has ever seen in the history of the world. And I have said before that if, if Adolf Hitler could come back and run for president of the United States against Trump, I think I think he that the people that hate Trump would vote for Hitler ever. And I really do. That's how much I've never seen such hatred ever. And again, I think most of it is they just they're reacting like Pavlovian dogs. You know, they're reacting to stimuli. But uh I think he, he he exposed inadvertently, he exposed the mindset that is out there. And that's why you said when he – I wrote about immigration quite a bit. I just wrote on my sub-stack, uh, uh, Invasion of the Border Snatchers. I talked about I went a little bit over uh, the history of insanity. And again, Trump is the only one that's talked about it. And he didn't do anything. He just went, that just that brought down the raft. Like, how dare you? <laughs> Think of wanting to get control of the borders. But so there's, I don't, I don't know any other way to look at it. I don't think there's any, and I don't know a lot of people, certainly the JFK assassination research community. That's why a lot of the, them turn their backs on me because they don't want to go and they're not even looking at it at 9-11 or anything like that. I've told them many times before, like, look, you're making fun of people that talk about Sandy Hook or Boston bombing or anything like that. Look at, Look at Operation Northwoods. What was that? That was a giant proposed hoax. People that, I mean, they, they were talking about well, what we're going to do. We're going to have, we're going we're to have, we may have real plane crashes, but it was more inferred that they're going to have, uh, they're going to say they were plane crashes. That's what people think it happened on 9 11? It's the kind of stuff they're talking about, Sandy Hook and everything. Our government, CIA, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, every one the entire Joint Chiefs of Staff to prove that only JFK stopped it. It's, it's just madness. We can't do this.
0: Do you think it, this cool. is the brainwashing of patriotism, this idea of being a patriot for your country, a lot of things that you could chalk up to, like, why would they do something like that? And they say it's national security if it's a big global plan or something like that it's because like there's this undying ideology, I guess, of patriotism, which means you can't even question some unethical concerns that are going on within your own establishment. And especially if it's a part of your party. I mean, that democratic, leftist credentials, right credentials, whatever you want to say, everyone's afraid or they could be at risk of losing theirs if they bother to criticize something that they see as a problem on their own side, which makes them have to refuse anything or any statements that come out, even evidence of it.
1: Yeah. That, and that's, um, you know, the national security bugaboo. And I, I remember, you know, when I first became politically active, when I was a same left wing Democrat, I thought the Democrats were the good guys as a teenager. I joined the ACLU. I was a you know, I joined Mark Lane's uh, Citizens Committee of Enquiries, a teenage volunteer. He was my hero. I was a civil libertarian. I thought they were the good guys. You know, I thought, I thought they, they, these, are, these are the, the uh, really good guys. But at that time, Nick, Richard Nixon was the first one to use the national security bugaboo, bugaboo over and over again. And I recognize, we all recognize, oh, that's ridiculous. And then once uh, the Freedom of Information Act was passed, one of the few good things that has ever come out of Congress, I think 1975, 76, Watergate left this Congress, which I loved at the time. Um, They got Freedom of Information Act passed, but you can see they still tried to stop those documents from coming out, and they always would invoke national security. And they're still doing it. They're still invoking national security for things that clearly... I mean, I've pointed out many times, how could anything be uh, with the JFK assassination be national security if you're telling us that this minimum wage loser who was sexually inadequate, quit, or, you know, couldn't satisfy his wife, all the nonsense they've propped up to why Oswald did it. Why would that involve national security? You're you're saying there's no government involved. There's no CIA, no FBI, that people weren't involved. The Secret Service was great. They did their job that day. Why would you have to withhold anything? But they do it, and they do it repeatedly on all these things. And, uh, you know, there's still files related to Jack the Ripper in 1888 that Scotland Yard is withholding so i mean just think about that and uh, even the there, john there, lennon
0: there, files as well too yes and again yeah,
1: why would that be and i've you know i've written a lot about that and you know in our borrowed fame and uh, there's a lot more to that as well but you know why would those files be exactly if there was just a if it was just deranged fan that shot him why would you need to withhold any time because
0: I, I did was hinting at that because i know you wrote about that in borrowed fame but can we talk about john lennon i know a little bit about it but I, do you think that was mk ultra stuff
1: well, we have uh, Jose Padorma, who was the doorman at the Dakota, uh, who
0: was <laughs> in the Bay. Picks. A very,
1: yeah, yeah, a very interesting background. He he's basically has association with all those anti Castro Cubans that were hanging around. Oswald, I think, was assigned to hang around, and David Ferry and all those people, Guy Bannister, Sergio Acacio Smith, all the, all those people that I think were the ground level plot. In fact, I'm running a book right now with a couple other people on on. It's going to garrison, and that what that ground level plot is, but um, because of that, I think that uh, you know, and I kind of lost my train of thought. What was the question again? I John do Lenny, that
0: MKO. Oh, it, exactly,
1: yeah, exactly. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, I think that you know, when you have somebody like that that pops up, like a um, what Thoreau called a, a trout showing up in the milk, you know, <clears throat> it's uh, it's it's something that's out of place and, and can't be explained innocently. So how do, you, how do you explain the guy that was kind of a big way in Cuba? And you, you'll find some of those anti-Castro Cubans like uh, Roxas and those guys. If you look at them, they had a pretty significant backgrounds in pre-Castro Cuba. And they came over and kind of did some menial jobs, which <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes happens with immigrants. But, uh, you know, when I worked at a hospital, I knew, I knew a, a doctor, that had been a, a guy that had been a doctor in uh, Korea, I think, and was working on the cafeteria food line. You know, so it happens. You know, when you when you come to our country, but uh, in this case, I think when you have somebody like Jose Predorma, who was a doorman at the Dakota building, it just happens that we've uh, my friend Bob Wilkes and I who does a lot of research with him, we've been trying to find out for a while when did when did Predorma get that job, but we can't we can't find out. You know, we haven't been able to find out when he came to the Dakota. It would be interesting to see if he got there you know, any time. You know, relative, you know, in relative close proximity to when Lennon was assassinated, I think that would be really a red flag. I don't know, but I, I, that's what I suspect probably did happen. But yeah, there are questions about the ballistics and everything on like that. And then uh, I interviewed Phil Strongman, who was, I think, the best book on the Lennon assassination a few years ago. And uh, it was amazing what I discovered. He told me that, uh, you know, we've always heard that Mark David Chapman was is this incredible, obsessed fan. You know, that's the, that's the, uh, the image that Hollywood likes to create. It's like kind of awkward rocker cut. You kill the thing you love. You know, so he loved Lennon so much he had to kill him. It's, not, you know, it's kind of psycho, but uh, that's never made any sense to me. But in this case, it really makes no sense because Phil Strongman told me that you know, his research showed that Mark David Chapman had never bought any of Lennon's music. He had none of John Lennon's music until he bought Double Fantasy, which, and of course that iconic last photo where. Last photo of Lennon again. That kind of irony I always get suspicious about. The last photo he has of him signing an album. This assassin that would assassinate him shortly after that. But apparently that's the only music of John Lennon's who this guy was obsessed enough to kill him that he ever purchased. So it doesn't uh, <clears throat> it doesn't pass the smell test there. And of course he he was um, associated with World Vision International, where uh, you had John John Hinckley. There's a lot of crossover between him and John Hinckley. John Hinckley's father ran World Vision International. So, I, so there's a lot of connections there. Chapman was – there was a lot more to Chapman and Hinckley than uh, meet the eye, And, of course, they took place within a year of each other. A lot of people get – and I get a mix of them.
0: So do you think the government planned to kill John Lennon? Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean I, that's what I would suspect just because uh, – Was that because of the, the activist movement towards the anti-Vietnam War stuff that he was doing? Well, that, would, that would
1: seem to be the logical reason, but then you, you kind of cross over into the world of, of uh, celebrities when I talked about non-barred fame where I'm more and more drawn to Randy Quaid's uh, Star Whacker Theory because, uh, and I, I don't really understand it, but if you look into these celebrity deaths enough, uh, they just, in many cases, they're even stranger than what we see in the body counts out of Washington, D.C. And, and really, the entertainment world is the only other world that I know of, and I've studied this stuff for a long time, where you have these body camps and you have these incredible numbers of unnatural deaths in the entertainment world and politics. Crossover there. And in Lenin's case, he was more entertainment world, but he was a very political figure. Now, so if possible they may have just whatever reason we wanted to silence him, wanted to make a martyr out of him. Uh, because if you well, I don't, you wouldn't recall, but I was very interested in his death right away, obviously, suspicious guy. But um, there was not much speculation. Now, if, if the internet had existed, there probably would have been a lot more speculation. But there was, I think there was a, a, a magazine I have somewhere called Conspiracy. For the most part, it was accepted. And certainly the media didn't ask any questions. They found nothing. So they just constantly they pushed right away the catcher in the Rhino nonsense that this guy was. Obsessed by Catcher in the Rye, he was obsessed by Lenin. He was he was just sitting there calmly reading Catcher in the Rye, waiting to be apprehended. When well, he could have fled into the night, this was before security cameras. He could have he could have been he could have been gone, and no one would have ever known. Them. They probably would have never caught him. But instead, he waited for the authorities to arrive. And that's again that's something I think that's pushed by the mantra. the, the mantra is there though. These people are just so crazy, and they do things that don't make any sense, and they want to get caught. You know, and maybe I don't know. I'm not a psychiatrist. Maybe that's possible. But in the case of Lennon, they, they didn't kill, you know, Ringo or something. They, they, you know, they 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 killed the most activist beetle of all, and he was uh, very interested. Including the JFK, that talked to uh, communicate with Paul Krasner, who was uh, very close with Mae Russell. You heard of Mae Russell, who uh, did a lot of great stuff back in pre-internet days. And, uh, she was very interested in the Lennon disaster. He was probably the only voice out there was pushing conspiracy. But I asked Krasner uh, about it, and I said, you know, behind the scenes, because he was friends with Lennon, said, he said, oh, yeah, he was, he was interested in shit so the said, okay, RFK, all that stuff. He was really interested in it. you got to look at the time period, 1980. Reagan was coming on the scene. Things were changing. How would Lennon have responded to that? I don't know. What, what, would, his, what, would, what would, he, how would he have uh, what would he been commenting on? He was just coming back, you know. This was his comeback album. So, what kind of music would he have put on after? That? I think it's safe to say that he would have never become a sir. Is
0: that the only is that the only suspicious one for you? Like, what's another Hollywood one? I know about the weird deaths on set and things of that sort. Um, I think the Twilight Zone had three deaths, if I'm not mistaken. On yeah, no, set, they
1: did. But... They did. I, I think in that case, like the Twilight Zone one, I think it was more carelessness. Happen, and then they just covered up the carelessness because you know, I don't. I don't think anybody was wanting to knock off. I think there were three Vietnamese, two Vietnamese kids. I mean,
0: two kids, yeah. and then one guy.
1: Yeah, the, and the um, guys, uh,
0: The director got sentenced, so I don't think that one's suspicious at all. But then we have like famous deaths that everyone remembers, like Marilyn Monroe, and then others.
1: Well, certainly, yeah, Marilyn Monroe. I've written a lot about that. I, I don't think there's any question she was murdered, uh, but I don't believe the Kennedys were. You know, the, the, the what happens is the people that believe that generally go. And say, well, Bobby Kennedy was there that day. Uh, they killed him to her to silence her. I, I don't. The Kennedys get killed. They don't. They don't kill people, or at least I. I have no evidence they ever have. I think she would kill, warning, to Kennedy, uh, to uh, say, look, we can make it's movie star in the world, so we can kill you too. I think, but I don't know. That's my hunch. But clearly, they lied about it. I. Uh, I have uh, investigated uh, the death of Natalie Wood, who I liked very much, and I. I became. Somewhat friends with her sister Ilana Wood, who was an actress herself, James Bond girl. Uh, she was on my show a couple times, and she's not the only one out there pushing the theory that Natalie didn't drown accidentally. And she's basically accusing Robert Wagner of doing it. Um, but so there's something
0: there, I think. Uh, Bobby, she, Fuller 4, I
1: Bobby Fuller Four. I talked about Bobby Fuller.
0: Can you explain to me the death of Natalie Wood? I don't think I've heard. I've heard the name, but I'm not familiar with her death at all.
1: That's true. I forget how young you are. Uh, she was. She was. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my wife looked like Natalie Wood when she was young, so I have extra reason to love her, but she, um, she was in a lot of movies, Splinter in the Grass, and uh, she, too, as a little girl, she was in the original Miracle on 34th Street, so she was a star from the time she was little, and she... Uh,
0: right over my head. <laughs>
1: they, they, I forget how young you are, but she uh, just a gorgeous girl, and she... Uh, was a big movie star, and she was uh, had, was filming uh, her last movie, Brainstorm, I think it was called, with Christopher Walken. Supposedly, with having an affair with the younger Christopher Walken, but he was on board the ship too. And I would be a little more suspicious of him, but for some reason, Lana Wood isn't suspicious of him at all. <clears throat> but uh, she, we're told that she decided to go out in the middle of the night to. Uh, Just take a little dinghy out on the water for they had an argument or something. And Lana said, well, she's on the record. Natalie was on the record of being terrified of water, especially uh, water at night. So she would have never done that. Insane to believe that. And like Lana said, look, she was found in her nightgown or something. Says Natalie was a movie star. She was one of those movie stars that she got dressed up and put her makeup on to go check the mail. So there's no way she would be go out on a boat at night, a nightgown without her makeup, because she'd be terrified that something would happen and she'd be found that way. So, you know, so there's um, now why that, you know, there, I don't think there's a political reason for that. And, and many of these things, there's not a political reason. But for I give you John Belushi, who, uh, <clears throat> you know, big time Saturday Night Live guy. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he was he was the original Saturday Night Live. But it was really good. And um blues brothers and all that but belushi i had always suspected Belushi was into the JFK jfks i just had a hunch and uh i've been able to verify it unfortunately i didn't verify it for sure until after Unburied fame came out but i found this thing written by dick gregory a comedian who was also a social activist it talked about uh, getting a phone call from john belushi the night before he died saying that uh, he wanted to talk to mark lane uh he had some information if case after so that's about as conspiratorial as it gets. And the next day he dies very strangely. The woman who was with him, Kathy Smith, who gave him a like a San Francisco, all they used to call it, which is half cocaine, half heroin, killed him. Um, she was really not punished at all for, you know, she, she was certainly the suspect right in the case. But um, I think you know, there's one death that's really that Freddie Prinz. That you know, this is something where I only know. It's uh, one of my prize stories I talked about in Hidden History. Uh, when I was uh, you know, when I was with Mark Lane's group, I was at his office one day as a teenager. I was about 18 years old. And uh, we were stuffing envelopes with another teenager. And Mark Lane, I was so excited down and talked to us for a long time that he was talking about he had just gotten a phone call from Hollywood from Freddie Prince. At the time, Freddie Prince, you probably know Freddie Prince Jr., Freddie Prince Sr. was the hottest comedian in the world. He's only 22 years old. He's on Chico and the Man, big stand up guy. and I would have never known he was interested in the happening if I hadn't been there that day, but apparently he was obsessed with it. He was calling Mark Lane all the time. He was watching the Zapruder film over and over again, thoroughly obsessed with it. About a month later, he supposedly killed himself, supposedly. And of course, if I hadn't have been there that day, I would have no reason really to doubt that. But uh, they, they later had a movie called the, uh, the, you know, the Last Days of Freddie Prinze. They used to do these movies of the week back then. They'd try to, you know, tug on people's heartstrings. So the, the whole idea there was to push, as they did with Bolivian. in both cases, they pushed this out of control, bound to die because of all the drugs. They were, wouldn't listen to anybody. There was no mention of the JFK assassination. And I know for a fact that was his obsession. And they did not say one word about it. Um, so to me, that was incredibly dishonest. Those two guys, I think both of them were due to the JFK assassination. And Sal is another one from Rebel Without a Cause, and uh, later he was signed by Orson, Orson Welles. Orson uh for some reason, mysteriously, never got it made, but he was working on a film with him at the RFK assassination. And Sal Mineo, who looked very much like would have made a great Sirhan Sirhan, he was going to play Sirhan Sirhan. Sal minio stabbed to death inside his apartment. So those are the only three actors I know of that were really obsessed with the JFK assassination. And
0: they all died mysteriously, so why haven't any of us been killed?
1: Well, people ask me that all the time. And I say, you know, I'd hate to think the only way to prove you're legitimate is to be killed. But, uh, you know, because that's what they say. I said, OK, broke so shop gonna...
0: would be nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, no, I, I think that, you know, when you look at these body counts, yeah, you do wonder why some people are killed and some aren't. I mean, Penn Jones Jr. was the guy that came up with the body count. the He was never killed. He lived to be pretty old. Uh, Mark Lane lived to be old, Terrell Weisberg. So uh, none of the real critics have uh, been killed. But it just – and not all the witnesses were either, but a bunch of them were. I think it's just – for whatever reason, the same thing with the Clinton body count or Bush body count or any of them. You look at why were certain ones killed. I think it's just maybe, – maybe there's a randomness there where they just pick uh, you know particular ones and um, – People like us that are paying attention to this stuff, we get the message. Okay, this guy's going to testify against Hillary Clinton as this guy was when she was running. And he drops a barbell on his throat, crushes himself to death out of gym. I mean, I, I don't know how many other people have died like that, but probably not very many. And, uh, but he was, you know, the reason that guy was unfortunate to get picked. You mentioned a karate top of to the throat. There's Jim Cody, who was uh, a fairly big reporter back in, uh, Texas at the time of the assassination, who was, who was one of the few reporters, there were actually two reporters that were working on a book about the JFK assassination. The one was Jim Cody. He was killed by a karate chop to the throat as he exited his shower. That's the cause of death. Again, I, I can I can guarantee that there may not be another death with that cause of death ever in the history of the world.
0: Any There's three in the assassination that are apparently throat chops, but Cody's the only one with like the back of the neck while stepping out of a shower in specific detail. But then there's Warren Reynolds, who was shot. He uh, had and rifle, survived. Yeah, yeah and yeah, survived. I mean, and then he immediately changes his statement on the assassination. I think it's just like the reason why I brought up like how come we haven't been attacked or anything like that was because I think the public perception – on that killing off people, even the Clinton body count list, they're still in the conspiracy realm for them and not really in reality for them. But I think if you look at the number of deaths and you look at specific things that start to happen, like Warren Reynolds is a great example, you kind of start getting to the level there a little bit. I mean, for what purpose besides scaring people? I mean, we can't explain why witnesses were scared because the number of people that were dying around them. Um, So I think that's a little bit of evidence as well, too. It's just I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how what their motives on so many, the way that they look at things is completely weird. Uh, the government does like to knock people off what people they choose. I mean, yeah, Penn Jones, why was he not?
1: Yeah. And again, it's I think it's just one thing I say to people all the time when they talk about it is that, you know, I think that the, a lot of the conspiracy world makes a mistake in thinking that the people that run things are really brilliant. You know, power doesn't go hand in hand with with intelligence. Look at police officers. Uh, the reason why you see them doing so many ridiculous things is because I think all police departments at most certainly have a, uh, an IQ maximum. You can't have over like 100 IQ or something. They, 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 seriously. They do because they don't want them to be too intelligent to question things. So these people are not – most of the cops are not very bright, and they're, but they have authority. And, you know, those are kind of, sometimes the most dangerous people, the ones that aren't very bright, and have authority because they're not going to question anything. And so it's not, it's like if you look at some of these uh, people think oh you know like the Henry Kissinger's of the world these people want to have mystical powers no they just have power and that doesn't necessarily mean how I don't know what their IQs are how how brilliant they are now again I think there's people at the top who want to talk about you know the Illuminati or whatever maybe they do have you know some kind of uh, secret technology and secret intelligence but the people we see as far as running us I'm not impressed that they're any kind of uh, so, so, so whoever thinks up maybe who to kill, I I don't. Know. They just, it's it's random. They just pick. I mean, I I can tell you, like people like in our world, there was a guy named Jim Keith who who wrote the kind of books I did. I think they knocked him off. You know, he he fell supposedly fell off the stage and hurt his knee and had to go in the hospital and have a knee operation, which he didn't want to do because he kept saying they're gonna kill me. They did. He was like 40 some years old. I mean, if you look at the and then his publisher publisher died of very strangely after eating mexican food i mean i got this in hidden
0: history. wait what, 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 what? yeah yeah
1: his, his publisher died he was out with his wife and they had mexican food and uh he, he just started feeling sick like he had food poisoning poison. his wife took him to the emergency room she was waiting around for him and uh, they came out a little later and said i'm sorry he didn't
0: make it and she said she almost died herself I said what you're making me think twice about the leftover Taco Bell I got in my fridge, I can <laughs> well, that much.
1: Well, I don't know was that, and then you have the guy that uh, – Stanley Meyer who uh, – again, I have all this in um, – I think it's all in hiddenness of the alternative energy thing where he and his twin brother. And I've tried to get his twin brother, I think still alive, but I, I, he can't be found. He's This guy he used to have a thing on uh, YouTube back when YouTube was free. You know, it wasn't censored. Called, uh, they killed the guy that invented the, the, the water the, the water running cars. This guy supposedly had developed something where you could run an automobile on water. And he had he, he, the first car he developed, it looked like a little dune buggy, but he supposedly drove from New York, California, all across country on one gallon of water. That's and, and, and uh, so they had there's they had been two. Little,
0: there's been two. There's one guy, I don't know how long ago, the one you're mentioning, but then there was another one, I think, in the past year. Uh, that guy has gone missing who also did the same thing with his car where he used water, yeah.
1: Well, I got to find that. Maybe he got the technology, but the, but this guy, Meyer, this was probably the 90s, early 2000s maybe, but he uh, he supposedly was meeting at a restaurant with some – You know, sometimes they say Saudi investors. It's unclear he was meeting with some kind of investors. That were interested in buying its product, and supposedly he uh, he ate a little bit, and then he said he wasn't feeling good. He went out in the parking lot, and he died. Again, not not old at all. And uh, this, so I mean, you can't go out in much more of a conspiratorial fashion than that. Those when the, those kind of things that when you those are the kind of deaths that people that people, in the conspiracy world should stress. Because they're completely unexplainable in innocent terms, especially as many as them had happened. These things happen all the time, really do. I mean, I can't, uh, you know, you're telling me somebody else, that guy's I, I didn't you know somebody was uh, taking him up on that technology, but
0: certainly... I mean, poisoning's happening. We know that. People can put cyanide. I mean, people could put eye drops in your food and you'll have really bad stomach reaction where you'll start shitting and throwing up as well too. But I mean, one death that I started looking into a little bit more, and I definitely think it's very, very suspicious, is Mary Meyer. Um, you know, her shot on like whatever she was in the forest or by a lake or something like that, and then the guy said that he had to jump in, he was drinking, he was fishing, and he jumped in to grab his fishing rod and he was standing right beside this body. I think it was cleared of his charges, if I'm not mistaken. But then even her husband, Meyer had said something about that. It was suspicious that someone might have got her because she was talking about the Kennedy assassination.
1: Well, sure. Well, there, there, there's and uh, there's a bunch of people in the JFK research community. First and foremost, Jim Eugenio, it's a big name now, who for whatever reason does not believe that at all and actually supports the – I mean they basically end up framing some black street criminal for it and railroaded him. But um, Eugenio thinks he did. I, I, you know, I, I don't – Peter Janney wrote Mary's uh, back, a uh, good book about it, and uh, I think he exaggerates uh, the importance Mary Meyer had. I don't think she was – he almost has her co presiding with JFK. Uh, it looks like he probably did have an affair with her. She was very intelligent, but she was troubled. And she was married to Cord Meyer. And, you know, you look at Cord Meyer's background and Cord Meyer was right there with Gloria. He, he's, he's apparently the guy that, you know, recruited Gloria Steinem in the CIA and helped finance Ms. Mm-hmm. Magazine and all that. And uh, he may have been instrumental with um, uh, Timothy Leary as well, who also was uh, with the CIA. So Cord Meyer did that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't necessarily trust him. But what we heard is after that happened, regardless, she was rumored to be having an affair with JFK. She's married to a, a big guy in the CIA, and uh, she dies, you know, on the, on the streets of DC, a murder victim. Which people in her income bracket and or something they don't die that way, like, unless there's a non-street crime motive. And then uh, supposedly James Jesus Angleton, you know, one of the most one of the strangest creatures in the CIA, broke
0: into her art studio and took her diary.
1: Right, took her diary. So. Um, so there's a lot of a lot of conspiratorial stuff there. I agree with you. I mean, that's. I don't think there's any question that she, that she was killed, but I don't think she was killed because uh, that she was some kind of a uh, uh, insider. But I supposedly she was questioning the assassination, already looking at it. So who knows? It could have been an inside CIA thing where they court they told Cord Meyer, like, got yeah, get rid of her." I don't. I have no idea. I don't know how these people, but. Regardless, I don't think the guy that they framed for the crime did it.
0: There's uh, similarities there with Marilyn Monroe and her, because it seems like people when with their death say, oh, it was uh, trying to wrap up the what they were doing with the Kennedys. Um you know, like trying that connection, that love connection, whatever it is that they want to go for, and that just doesn't hold water for me. It just doesn't have any weight to it that they're oh they're going back to go clear up or they're trying to clear up things that could embarrass the Kennedy or this. But it's that idea of Camlot, which I don't necessarily know because I don't think people are one hundred percent good or one hundred percent bad. But there's like a myth out there of Camlot a little bit, and I'm like I just feel like everyone kind of. Understands how things work, and sometimes you have to do something that doesn't look good to be able to get something through. I mean, look how tight Congress is. Look how tight all these institutions are. I feel like you have to have some leverage or blackmail. I mean, that's what Hoover was using over everybody.
1: Right. Well, I, I I've been getting into an argument. I get in an argument with people all the time about the Kennedys because I, I I'm I admit I'm kind of a Kennedy fanboy still, and uh, I think we need to have heroes in some way. And I I just just having written about the Kennedys extensively, I think they've been treated unfairly. Uh, starting with old Joe Kennedy, and, the, and if you read uh, Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s book, uh, Family Values, he, he said a lot of the stuff I've been saying for years, and of course, he should know, he's in the family, about uh, how the, the myths that they made up about old Joe Kennedy. There's no evidence at all he was a bootleg, uh, at all, but the, the idea is that he was this criminal bootleg. There's no evidence at all he had any mafia ties at all. There's no evidence that uh, the mafia helped Kennedy win uh, you know, Illinois in 1960. Uh, you know, there's. I mean, you may have had some chicanery on Mayor Daley's part, but he did that with every Democratic candidate. But the uh, people believe it. Even my friend John Barber, who I love, he I don't even argue with him about it. Everybody accepts it at face value. Joe Kennedy Sr. was a good guy, and one thing I learned from Bobby Kennedy Jr.'s book that I never knew, and I'm stressing as much as I can, is during the 1950s, during the Eisenhower years, there was a commission to investigate the CIA. No, I knew nothing about this. Kennedy Jr. said this was the first, this is where the the hatred for the Kennedy family on the part of Alan Dulles came from, because Alan Dulles was the director of the CIA at that point. Guess who was the most vocal member of that commission? Kennedy Sr. Joe Kennedy Sr. was the first person in the 1950s to say, CIA is out of control. They need to go back to their charter. They need to completely stay out of domestic politics and all these foreign intelligence gathering. That's it. I had no idea about that. I don't think one—if I didn't know, there's like one tenth of you know a fraction of a percent of, of Americans that would even have that idea. I think that goes a long way to explaining uh, why the CIA was uh, certainly hesitant about Kennedy and suspicious of him. And uh, you know, you could argue why did they let Kennedy in the White House? I don't, considering who his dad was.
0: But uh, do you think McCone but- was a bad guy?
1: Uh, you know, it's hard to say anybody good in the CIA. Um, uh, he it looks like he was on the surface friendly, uh, with the Kennedys. I mean,
0: our... Bobby Kennedy wrote an article, yeah, about it where he said that his father was walking with McCone, um, through their yard. Uh, yeah, after... asked him, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Did, you, did you guys kill my uh, brother? Yeah, but uh, I don't I think they're the ones that we know for sure were like the boogeyman in the CIA, it would have been Dulles, Richard Holm, Angleton. People like that that we know, and, and Cord Meyer, to be honest with you, uh, he, the people that we know of at the time that were really, I think, uh, and then later Casey, William Casey certainly resurrected that in the past. You have people like Bill Colby who um, did some bad things in uh, the uh, operation.
0: Uh... Yeah, but he was killed.
1: Yes, exactly. But the way he went out, he and he was working, and I have I have a quotes from my book, I mean, no former director of the CIA. He was really in that world. He was working closely with the uh, state senator, Nebraska State Senator John DeCamp on the Franklin credit scandal involving, you know, child tech trafficking. And I have great quotes from him in there. And, you know, he said, you know, John, no matter how hard you, how strongly you feel about this and how good, how much you want to do good, there are people in this world that are powerful and are not going to let you, not going to let that happen. And he went out the way, uh, you know, in, in true conspiratorial fashion, you know, out on a canoe and, you know. Out of shoes or whatever, or left food he on the table. He worked at the I,
0: CIA for like twelve years or something like that, and you're telling me that man had his doors unlocked and he left in middle of the dinner, um, just to go out kayaking in the middle of the night. That's so strange.
1: Yeah, it's it's so obvious, and especially given the fact he had become friends with John DeCamp, and and that but see there you go about who, you, you, when you talk about who did they kill? Why didn't they kill DeCamp? But he said, so I don't know how they decide who to kill. Instead they, and they and like and they and they killed some of the kids involved in that. Well, like one of one of them uh was a uh, was and, and you talk about conspiracy one oh one. This guy, he he went to um, uh, I think he went to was it a dentist office or but anyhow, he's sitting in a waiting room, either at a hospital or but he had he had nothing serious wrong. Uh, I forget what where he was, but anyhow, he's he's reading the Franklin cover-up. By John DeCamp, he's he's in it and he just dies in the waiting room.
0: Wait, what? and he's
1: like twenty years old. I mean, it's, you can't, I mean, it's not like coming. Somebody came and shot him. He just like, wow. I mean, it's just you.
0: Those are the kind of things that make they you. Dusted sick. off that heart attack gun real quick, and we're like, yeah. the room.
1: Maybe it's an early example of myocarditis. You know, who knows. <laughs> I mean,
0: it's uh, it, it's strange to me because I mean, especially with like William Colby's an interest of mine. I had spoken to John Ranley, who wrote a book about, and he actually knew William Colby personally, um, and he put he put a weight into it. Um, which is interesting because at this time I didn't know it was really a conspiratorial thing. I just looked at it and I said, This is the most suspicious thing I had ever seen about someone just going kayaking in the middle of the night. And, like, yeah, you could say if he was a Crossfitter, sure. But this man was not. And he left his doors unlocked. I'm like, everyone knows to lock their doors, especially at nighttime. I'm like, it's just common sense. I feel like that's an instinctual thing. And in the fact that that didn't happen. But I think that was because looking deeper into the church committee hearings and seeing just the way that, Colby was exposing some things and leaving some things back. I mean, they had two people standing sitting next to Colby to say, don't let him expose a bunch of stuff because we have people overseas that could be at risk. And he, I, there was just so much where I was like, yeah, there's even articles that say that the CIA will never recover from this. And I don't even think really people really remember what the church committee really did. It's not taught in history books or anything, but i it's just he said so many things where all that documentation is available if people want to go find it. And when you do something like that, you're not getting off scot-free. There's something going to happen to you.
1: Well, exactly. Especially when he he signed his death warrant when he becomes friends with John DeCamp. I mean, John DeCamp was talking about he was pulling. I and mean, that's one of the probably the ugliest part of all the stuff that I investigate. It's the hardest to write about. And that's the uh, the obvious pedophilia. The, the, the people that the predilection that our leaders have for for having sex with children. It's everywhere. It's so obvious. I mean, it just hits, hits you in the face constantly.
0: Epstein should have woke people up to that.
1: Sure. And, and and Epstein, you know, Epstein, as bad as he was, the girls that were involved in Epstein's were a little older. They weren't really kids. They were generally teenagers. So I'm not saying that's a good thing. And he well, I much... think
0: it was it was speculated that they when there comes... may have been younger
1: that we don't we don't know.
0: Well, but that, that they've been there for a while. And that's why some of them yeah. are teenagers.
1: They could, but I mean, look at Epstein. I mean, that's I mean, there's that that death was so obvious. Now, there's somebody that anybody would have said, okay, he's probably going to be number one on the list of them to kill. But I mean, you even had the New York Times and Washington Post passing on the Epstein didn't kill himself thing. It was I mean, it's so obvious that they were going to knock this guy off. If they did, uh, you know, some people think he was whisked away to a private island, which he could have been. Along with my uh my friend John McAfee. You know, John McAfee was on my show a couple times. He really liked me. And uh, he's dead I, too, you know, isn't he? Yeah, well, supposedly. And uh, I'm trying to get his wife, his younger wife, but She doesn't answer my emails now. But there's just again, this. It, McAfee was so cool. I mean, just talking to him, he his voice. I mean, I, I felt like a little girl talking to him. I mean, he had such a sonorous, booming, masculine voice. This guy was, you know, he, he was drinking, you know, fifth of whiskey a day and came smoking cigarettes at seventy some years old and walking around in muscle shirts with you know carrying rifles. Every I mean, you couldn't get much more testosterone-filled than this guy. Uh, but he so he was and he he was questioned. He was wanted for murder, and I could believe he murdered somebody. I mean, he was that kind of a personality. But he knew what was going on. He spoke his mind, and uh, there one one of the things I've never been able to verify, but could really be one of the many things that could bring this whole house of cards down. He tweeted out. I'm trying, and I tried to verify it with his wife, and she didn't answer me, but. Somebody under his name supposedly tweeted uh, less than a month before he was found dead uh, about the building. He gave the address of the building. If you remember the Florida condo that just collapsed. It never happened in the history of the world. It just collapsed, like, like Building 7 or something. It's just, and It's like it never happened before. And he tweeted out the address of that saying that he owned a unit in there. And if uh, anything happens to them, that's where they can find all his files. That's where he claimed. Now, I can't have been able to unable to verify if that was him. Uh, if if he really did own a thing there. But it, again, building collapsed, and they whenever these things happen, whether it's Oklahoma City, Waco, 9 Sandy Hook, they haul the crime scene away. So whatever happened there is gone, long gone. It's not like you can analyze it and try to find any files. Um, and his wife hasn't answered me. So I don't know if that's true, but if that's true, then obviously McAfee. And he and he would but he was kind of full of it too. You know, he was he was a bragger. So you don't know how much he actually knew and how much he was saying he knew, but if he had something like that, they collapsed an
0: entire building. What safety do you even have if you want to – I mean if you I would think that if you're involved in some of these things, you would probably keep a back file just in case something goes sideways that you could be able to upload it somewhere. But then I don't know what stops it from being eliminated from search results or something happening before it could stop the upload. only thing I can think of is if Bill fucking Gates is doing his best knowing that he's about to cover his ass somehow and he – basically started well he didn't start the internet but he did microsoft guy i figured he would be able to find something some way around getting eliminated from search results or just giving like a private email to every single person and being like hey there's this going on
1: well if you if you uh, one thing i comment all the time about uh they've done a hell of a job in terms of, of uh really making it hard for people like me i mean i have i call the three churches uh Bob Wilson and Chris Graves and Peter Teacotts, they've helped me so much in my research. But uh, even with them.
0: Oh, so you know Chris Graves.
1: Oh, Chris, yeah, Chris he Graves. He tags me in my- a lot
0: of stuff. and I got ADHD. So if I get tagged in a bunch of stuff, I get like a panic attack. I'm like, I don't want to be, I just want to be left alone. And then ta- I like freak he, out. He,
1: he tags everybody and everything. <laughs> he's got OCD big time too, believe me. But he's, and now he's got about a million podcasts. So he's, uh, but he he was my recent, my main researcher. He did a lot, a lot of work for me. But, um, God, I've lost what I was saying about that. What, 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 was I, what were we talking about before that? Why would I bring We're talking that? about Bill Gates. Oh, yeah, Bill Gates. Yeah, the, um, the internet search. So when I first, when I wrote Hidden History and Survival of the it's at least those, and probably Crimes, probably the first three books, um, I did all my own research. But it was easy because you, I could use Google. I didn't even have to go to alternative search engines. The stuff was out there. And Google started really advancing the algorithm and censorship became real they put this algorithm in where they know what you're trying to find, and they don't, they make it really hard, for, not possible for you to find it. So, people who have given me, I probably got a dozen alternative search engines, and they all, to one extent or another, they're a little better than Google, but they all use parts of the Google's algorithm. So, if you want to try to find something, like I, I give you an example, when I was writing a story for American Free Press recently on that, uh, that woman, E. Jean Carroll, this third clown that accused trump of rape uh, and she can't even say the year it happened but uh, and of course the jury, the jury you know said they agreed with her but i had read that she had accused 12 other men of rape, of rape which should have instantly discredited her i couldn't find anything on that anywhere in any of the search engines it had been completely scrubbed, and i know i read it before and i though you know i i've done other things like i was trying to find one time uh when uh, the Washington Post ran an attraction, it's a Washington Post mainstream newspaper uh, about the phone call Donald Trump made to the Ukrainian. They tried to impeach him over, and they. they um, and again, I'm not a Trump defender, but it's, a lot of it rolls around Trump. But they ran an attraction that yeah, we you know, we we misrepresented what he said. Hey, and uh, I just wanted to use that in that article. I could. I somebody finally sent me a direct link to the post story. They censored that. They knew what you were trying to get. They didn't want somebody online to see the retraction that the Washington Post published. So that's that's how, so imagine how hard it is to find things like what we're talking about here. Something like if I went and tried to search about the McAfee tweet now, I'm sure I'd have I take I take notes on at the time because I know these things are going go down the memory hole. So it's very hard when you're writing nonfiction now, uh, writing the COVID book, which is just a, you know going to be out in a week or two. Uh, very difficult because again they're really censoring that stuff
0: well i can't even put peter McCullough or robert malone's thing on youtube i just put a thumbnail there and it's literally four minutes of it just says a description go to spotify to watch the episode it's just them saying i'm whoever this is and then it goes right to the cut the spotify thing and it gets flagged i'm like for what like you're just flagging names you're and the whole social thing as well too i mean if I would have went a different direction, would I be a lo- little bit more popular? I don't know. I seem to think I have a likable personality. Probably not. But it's that whole limiting of social media. I mean, typing someone's full name out just to be able to find them and then even doing that. And if you don't get every character correct, you they don't pop up, which is just like the future of technology is going to be very scary with where we go in society and i'm so much in free speech i'm so much for every amendment even though i don't own guns and the only reason i say that is because if you take one then they're all going to fall and i hate saying it like that but that's always how these goalposts move absolutely
1: absolutely you have to and, and uh shadow banning i mean i the reason i try to stress it people if you want to support me go to substack substack.com. Because at least for now, they're not touring with them there. And I've got paid, getting more and more paid subscribers. So you can support me there. They're not, I write whatever I want. Now we'll see what happens with my COVID book because I'll be promoting that on top. Uh, we'll see if they mess with that. But so far they haven't. And I'm my presence is growing there. But Facebook, I've got the maximum mm-hmm. amount of friends. I've had it for a long time, but it's worthless. I, the other day I just tried to answer. I don't even post anything unless it's about like uh, a Mother's Day. I posted about my mom. I got hundreds of so. But that's the only thing I can post about I post. I give an example of how the shadow man works. When you know they, they killed my brother, you know with hospital protocol. I've written a lot about that. So I've invested interest in this stuff. I feared happened personally to me, but I, it was a one-year anniversary in January, and I, I posted first. I posted about it, and then talked about.
0: Ah, uh, YouTube will flag all that.
1: Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, well, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I, I you're right. You, I can't talk about this on YouTube. The only now. reason we're
0: not talking about your COVID book is because I wanted to have you on YouTube to talk about. it. Okay,
1: okay, okay, we'll talk about it next time. But I, I was, t- I was just trying to say that the ad worked been when, when I took all the controversial stuff out, because I got like one or two reactions in an hour to that. And so I posted the exact same thing, just stuff. How much I missed it, and how much you know the year, and my heart was broken, all that. Hundreds of reactions. Our part, and so that's what you you know. If I, if I go like last year, I went to for my birthday. My wife got me front row seats for Elvis has Got Concert, my favorite, and hundreds of reactions. But if I had put anything controversial in there, you know, it it would have blocked. it. so, Facebook is useless. The other day, I just it was um somebody was um just talking commenting on this world famous violinist that was I think in the New York subway or something, and he had just played before like a thousand dollar seat thing or something. And he just decided to experiment to play these, you know, these incredible pieces of music that only he and a few others can play. And I think he earned thirty dollars all day or something. People were just basically ignoring him. And so I just put that the comment. I said they needed to have. I said I wonder how much attention if Kim Kardashian is standing there sticking her ass out would have gotten.
0: I would have tipped a dollar. Yeah. Well, there you go. Well, they 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 suddenly came up and said
1: like, uh, uh, "This is a false claim." Are you are you sure? False claim. I mean, said, "Are you sure you want to put this up or not?" So I just said, "No, I didn't. I didn't do too that much." But I mean, that's how the censorship's Twitter. Elon Musk has made no difference at all. I'm shadow man there. I, I had one guy told me uh, two weeks ago. He told me, "You know, if I had to follow you at least eight times, I'm constantly taking people unfollowing people, so I can't grow there." And uh, I'll put a a, a a
0: tweet up and
1: nobody sees it.
0: So. Well, we've entered the pay-to-play system. I feel like if you promote or you pay money to be able to promote your stuff, then you're probably going to get seen as long as it's not controversial and it fits in their ad ad guidelines, which sucks is because like I have – I stopped using posting on my Facebook page for the podcast. I stopped posting on all my podcasts that basically besides like maybe one post a day, and I just started using the Facebook page again because I used to spend money to try and get the promotion and growth in there. But it's just not, it's not worth it. You don't know if people are real. I mean, when someone says like, watch my ass shake is their profile name. I'm like, I don't think you're real, but you like my stories and I appreciate it. Um, So it's like, you don't know. And it's like, I I don't know the limiting of things, but when it comes to, you have to pay to grow. And even TikTok now is being banned in some States in the U S which is like, that's the only one I've actually seen significant growth on because people just want to watch short clips.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right now, I haven't. I think my daughter would be mortified if I went under. I I can purposely stay away from TikTok, but uh, because it really is. I don't think my type of stuff probably. I don't know how much I could, what kind of points I could even make there because it is so limiting. It's it's more. It goes up to
0: ten minutes, so that is the thing. It does give you ten minutes of content to put up there. It's just people only look at like the first, short bit,
1: right? Because I know know people like my daughter and everything. There. They like the real short clips and, uh, you know, because again, it's a short attention span of young people and uh, I understand that. But I, I would like to be able to use, you know, again, the books coming out, especially, and you can please feel free to edit out that stuff you want. I don't want you getting taken out from YouTube, but um, I do worry about how I'm going to promote that. It just, it being in the title. So I don't think I'll try on Facebook, but.
0: I'll, I'll have you on to talk about it on a Spotify episode. Um, Just YouTube, it just that's their platform rules. I'll just have to put a thumbnail for it, but I'm more than happy to have you on. I've, I got so many episodes now that are COVID-related just because I got really pissed off at the fact that there's a bunch of stuff coming out and we're not allowed to talk about it and nobody's acknowledging it. People that called me a conspiracy theorist in the beginning where I showed them, here's the latest intelligence hearing that proved that there's actually more evidence to support this. I just want – like we got to stop doing this eye roll thing, and I'm noticing it way more with the Kennedy assassination than I am with anything. But I notice that this is what we do now as like a norm It's just eye roll at stuff, with witness deaths, anything suspicious, anything that could be lumped into just thinking critically about something, like wanting informed data before you make a decision about something. When you buy a car, do you go – Oh, I'm just going to buy it at face value. I'm sure it's perfect condition, even though it's a conspiracy theory
1: that it doesn't work. Yeah, Yeah, it's (laughs) just
0: that's so stupid to me. I was like, we don't do that. And that's not how you have conversations as people. We're not going to grow at all. And we're only going to stay. Honestly, it's only going to get worse at this point. Now you can find any information that wants to fit your narrative and you can just stay in your little echo chamber. And that's the worst thing to possibly do. And the fact is that we can't get over a left and right system right now.
1: No, and that's and that's where it comes into the Trump design thing. Right? So I think it was designed to to put us into that two camp. because you know people forget when he ran for president in 2016, he and Bernie Sanders both were effective because they were tapping into I, I'm a populist and, and populism appeals to people There's different types of populism. You know, Bernie Sanders used a lot of economic. There was a crossover. Uh, you know, he was criticizing the trade deals and the inequity of wealth and all that. And Trump was mainly going after immigration and uh foreign policy with the senseless wars and in both infrastructure so there's a lot of populism there because people know the democrats or republicans weren't doing anything about it so i think that they used trump to to, to put out there and they used his personality and it divided people and so you now have people i i've lost so much support from people because i i i voted for trump initially and uh people you know they hated me for it I, i've had one of my needs canceled me from her life uh Lots of people that interviewed me, people that wrote reviews for my book, hidden history, that uh, they because they fell for the Trump thing, and I kept telling them, look, I, you know, I, I, I started criticizing this guy almost as soon as he became president. My, it's out there on the record. I, I said this guy's an actor, but so I catch it from the Trump people too. But I really caught it from the left. That I mean, I have people that used to love my work that that, that deleted me and blocked me, and don't talk to me anymore. And uh, so it's 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 because they fell for this nonsense. And now we have no chance of getting, if we had a chance for a third party, that would be what RFK Jr. would be running in. He would be running as a ridiculous Democrat. He has no chance in that group. That's why we would rally behind, maybe somebody like him, and maybe he's not even real, I don't know. But that's the kind of person maybe you could get a third party as, but we can't do that now because everybody is so terrified, especially if Trump's there. People on the left would never vote for any third party candidate. Because they'd be so scared Trump might win, and they hate him much. And the same thing with the people that love Trump; they don't. They wouldn't want Biden or whoever to win either. So it's. Do um,
0: you think there's a way to stop the deep state machine?
1: Well, I, either you know, I said at the time when Trump was elected, I said, you know, however flawed this guy is, uh, you know, uh, the, he's, it's our last hope. He's talking about some things and uh, big parts of it, immigration especially. They need. I mean, you, you realize what's going on at the border. I mean, it's. It's unbelievable that people don't realize how many people have been coming into this country, what it means for our resources, what it means for um, our and the divisiveness, because these are people that are encouraged not to learn a language. Uh, they're they're not encouraged to assimilate. So it's and we already have our own poorest people that are not getting benefits. They're not yet yeah, illegal immigrants get free health care. Does that make any sense? You have people that are dying because they can't afford health care or that are citizens. Makes no sense. You got people in the streets of Cal, of San Francisco and LA things we never thought we'd see, living in tents and literally crapping on the streets, and they're not even cleaning it up. This, I mean, this country is a mess. It's horrible, and the last thing we need to be doing is bringing more of the poorest people, poorer than anybody here, bringing them in and telling them that don't worry about learning the language, don't worry about it, you know, don't, don't assimilate. We'll make it easy for you. Because they want to create division, they want to create, and this is, I guess, how they've chosen to do it. But I, I don't know how we can't get together. The only thing we can—I remember, you know—a bunch of us used to try to, uh, used to try to push these email memes. Probably 10, 15 years ago, before things were anywhere near this bad, to try to get people to, because we we really need like a national strike. We need like a national not-go-to-work day or something. But failing that, they tried to do something like let's let's email a bunch of people and say, hey, look. As a collective gesture, let's everyone agree, nobody's going to buy gas next Thursday. And that's risk free. They can't force you to buy gas on a particular day. Uh, nobody's going to come, I don't think, and arrest you for that. So, but it would be a way to show that you're together on something. Couldn't get anybody to do it. Couldn't get them to do it. They couldn't even do something like that, which wasn't even a you're not sacrificing anything. You buy it the day before, but they couldn't do it. So, if you can't get people to do that, I don't know how we can come together because we and we don't agree on it said so all these you look at the jfk assassination research committee if you go to those forums a lot of these people are my friends and it's just i just they love most of them love biden they think he's great he's going around shaking hands with the air you know he's not even there and because he's not trump and so it's like I, I can't even talk to them anymore they don't believe in civil liberties they don't believe in free speech um and it's it's just it's very uh it's very sad because basically you and I and Everybody in this world at all, we're, we're basically, they need to call us what they are. We're not domestic terrorists. We're not racists or uh, whatever, uh, the, wh- white supremacists, whatever they will call us. We're thought criminals. At this point, that's what they're going after. They're going after thought they don't like, opinions they don't like, and they can call it hate speech, which is nothing else. That's, that's another word for thought crime. I, I, I think I'm the only one saying that when people talk about hate speech. They say, look, hate speech is not compatible with free speech. There's no such thing as that. Oh, the Constitution doesn't protect protect hate speech, but the word "hate" doesn't appear in the Constitution. What the hell are you talking about? But nobody nobody makes that argument. You just sit there and say, "Well, I don't think it's hate speech." Well, what is hate speech? It's a human emotion. You know, you could argue what I'm doing now. is hate speech. I'm criticizing the government, and that's that's where they want. You're criticizing as long as it's the right people, the the wrong people. Like if you're criticizing someone uh, that is from a particular group. Transgenderism, all that madness. I, I don't want to go into that as much. That's again, that's showing just how insane we've become when somebody's just pointing out that it's not right for biological male to be shattering women's swimming records, that that's not fair to the women's athletes.
0: Yeah, you just put them in a, I've voiced my opinion about that. It's you put them in a separate league. We have, I work at a gym, but we have natural and unnatural bodybuilding competitions. I mean, I would do the same thing with sports. Like, fuck, if someone ends their career at 25 because they got a messed up ankle and they could take steroids or something and still play and keep their thing going, I was like, put them in a separate fucking league. I would love to see a bunch of people doped up on and try and break records. You can't compare them to the people who aren't doped up, though. That's a whole separate thing. It's just like unnatural and natural bodybuilding competitions. There are people that take steroids to get the way that they look, and they cannot compete against people who don't. Same thing with sports make your own league for it. it's not secluding you or exiting out it's just making it fair you can't have different things of genetic whatever genetically enhanced whatever you want to say you just can't do that but also when it comes to the transgender stuff i don't I, I only care about the people i care about like i love i love people but when it comes to affecting real change if it doesn't fucking bother me like what's it going to do in my life like it's not going to affect the way i raise my kids when i have kids and that's just like people look at it like oh my god it's going to affect me i was like that's whatever it is i i don't know i i can't stop i can't control people's thought process the same reason i can't limit people on social media there's a bunch of things i come across i don't like but i'm just like that you have the right to say it welcome to america that's our fucking privilege and then i i move forward i don't want to ban that person i don't want to be like this person should be deplatformed but the conversation should still be out there cuz all you do like for instance is bill burr's joke he says um if a comedian says something that's offensive and you find it offensive and you try and cancel that comedian, all you're doing is having him go home and teach his kids to hate exactly what you are because you caused him to lose his likely livelihood of working at a job and all this. What you do is if that comedian tells a joke and it's offensive and people don't laugh, then he has to evolve his jokes or he's going to lose his job just at the fate of nobody wants to listen to it. It's about society evolving, not just you think that you're higher up than everybody and need to cancel this person. Cancel culture doesn't work that way. And it's not, I think at this point it's died down. I don't think anybody gives a fuck because everything's so fragile now.
1: Well, they shouldn't. I mean, it's, you know, as again, I I have a lot of libertarian in me as well. So we used to talk about victimless crimes and, uh, that's you know that that's something I always fought for. I didn't used to care what anybody did, but I never thought I would see the day when they're you know again. I think that as, as as a parent, my my children are grown now, but I I would be on every viral YouTube video in the world if my kids well because I I would really object to some of the things teaching them and and, and that they're, they're available to them to learn and that they're you know the things asking what pronouns are and all like, It's just it's just stupid stuff. You want to do you want to have an imaginary world like that? Then go start your own. Th- like you said, sports league. Go start your own school if you want to believe that. You can all walk around and pretend you're trees or whatever you want to have. You know, call yourself a. I don't care. That's fine, but don't get my kid to it. Madness, and it's uh it needs to be called that. I mean, you know, men can't have babies. I'm sorry, and that's another thing. If you if you look at these congressional hearings, the, as the wait, uh, if what college, men can't have babies? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's well, again, that's what. They they have uh, – they've had like one Biden administration official, and a lot of them really do look like actual fruit came out of Arkham Asylum or something. They're like super villains but the look they have, and they dressed crazy, and they're just – it's ridiculous. And
0: um, This is why I've been stuck in the 60s and 70s because I don't want to deal with any of the modern-day shit. I just want to look at the past and things that there's no changing. It's just all the same.
1: Well, I wish I, I – you have no idea what it was – I call it a miracle. One point was a completely different world. There was a lot wrong with it. I used to bitch and complain about it back then. But I mean, where do we have not? Because I've always said that we had we had a, a combination of corruption and incompetence. That's what we were facing: corruption and incompetence. And I'm not sure which is worse, but it was like a stew together. And uh, now we have a third ingredient. It's the worst one of all. And that is absolute lunacy, insanity. You have people that are in charge, like this guy. Uh, What was the guy, Sam Brissom or whatever the guy's name is that was a uh, a bald head, a shaved head, dyed red mustache, red dress. He was like number two in Homeland Security. He had a huge job, and he was arrested for stealing women's luggage at the airport like three times. They finally arrested him. This guy is, I mean, he's a freak show. You couldn't have been a supervillain like that. He has a high-ranking, high-security clearance position. and they finally fired him for that. But that's the lunacy. That's the part where they're throwing absolute madness in the mix. The so corruption and confidence are bad enough, but now you've got madness. You've got the Joker and the Riddler and people like that out there that are, that are you know.
0: It's a it's a controversial take, but I had this take when I saw the CIA making. Uh, they made a commercial that were like, "I am this type person. I am a blind Latino person, and I work for the CIA." It was about an inc- it was about being inclusive or trying to be like we are. We are very. We're open to all. And I go, that's bullshit, because I've talked trash on you guys, and you guys sent me an email saying that I could never get a job at the CIA. So you guys aren't open for all. If I can talk trash and criticize, but it's like, I'm not, when, they, when they said all that, I was like, but are they good at their fucking job? That's the question. That's the only reason. If you're in the CIA, I want you to be good at your job. And I don't care what who you are, what you are, whatever you identify. I don't give a shit about that. Are you good at doing what you're supposed to be doing? Because, damn it, the people that have been doing it in the past have been doing a great job and not letting me get shit.
1: Exactly, exactly. Well, I think, I think that's the, the, the only the only positive outlook to all. But, again, this is where you get the thing of, of that they want to bring it down because it sure looks like they're trying to bring it down, they're trying to bring the country down. They're doing everything they can because they're putting people like that, somebody that's you know obviously has huge mental problems to begin with. Them, and it's also a, a, a kleptomaniac about stealing women's luggage on top of it. Uh, they can't stop himself from doing that. When these people are given their high ranking positions, then it's inevitable that uh, what you talk about, about the CIA being good at things, they're not going to be good at concealing anymore. They're not going to be good. So they're, I guess that's good for American citizens, maybe. But uh, for, for uh, the military industrial complex that wants to get involved all over the world, constantly by countries and crazy stuff we've been doing forever, the Kennedy was the last one that tried to you know, to go the other direction and actually go for peace. Uh, they, even though they have all this power and they have all this weaponry, they're filled now with a lot of incompetence and madness. Because I'm sure that anybody that has these kind of any probably anybody can walk off the street and if they claim they identify as a, their pronouns are they them and all, they probably only have to take the physical. Okay, you're in. Maybe they automatically make them an officer. I don't know. Because it's it's so insane at this point, but so that kind of military, we probably have less to fear from it as citizens. But I would think these other countries have have less to fear from them too. I mean, I would think that's why if we if we ever really begin in a war, I mean, I think people are all theatrical opponents like you know, WWE. But if the Russians and the Chinese were actually our adversaries, I think the Chinese and the Russians would be just laughing at the prospect. Of Americans. I.
0: You got to repeat that last part, your mic cut out.
1: Oh, can I, what am I want to say, I think that the, the, if we were really enemies with say the Russians and the Chinese, I think they would be laughing at the prospect of engaging today's American military. Because I think that, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how, what it must be like, but I look at people like General Milley and the people that are in charge and I can't believe, and I think they've weeded a lot of the people out. So I would imagine that there's a lot of people left that are questionable and, who knows how many transgender soldiers they have or whatever, but I don't think the Russians to the Chinese would, would fear that. I don't think that's going to happen. Like I said, I think we're on the same side. These are make-believe enemies, but um, things have changed a little bit because of that.
0: I got just one last kind of point, and I think it's a long one, but when it comes to the JFK assassination, you think 60 years now that we're finally going to see a platform actually promote a conspiracy one, like a Netflix or something like that?
1: Well, um. Netflix is open. I, I don't, I'm not a fan of Netflix, but they do have some of those kinds of things on there. So it's possible, and and RFK Jr. his candidacy is bringing up the issue, bringing up the you know, vaccine issue as well. But he is he's come. I never thought I'd see a presidential candidate that would come out and you know as part of his campaign say the CIA killed my father, the CIA killed my uncle, but he said so. Uh, he's putting it out there, and because it really can't be disputed. He, he And he he has good knowledge of the assassination, too. And so if one of the other candidates attempted to debate him on it, they couldn't. Yeah. Because, you know, say that Oswald did it, you don't have any facts at your disposal. So someone that does have the facts Oswald the disposal could easily just destroy you. And that's why they stay away from it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to him. But I think um, if somehow they let his campaign go anywhere, and they surprised me so far by having him be fairly high in the polls, you know twenty percent or something that's a lot more than I thought he would I thought they would have him at the Dennis Kucinich, but by the way, he named Dennis Kucinich as his main manager, which is a good sign. I've always liked that one percent and uh but no, they're saying twenty percent and that's early on, so who knows I don't know but of course and as we talked almost like you know if you're telling the truth they they'll kill you well it's the same way we look at it well they would kill RFA Jr. if he had a chance to win. That's what most of us think would stop him. So we'll have to see what happens. but he, he makes the campaign more interesting and his presence. I think he makes it more likely that Netflix or someone might possibly have some pro conspiracy stuff out there.
0: Well, Don, I appreciate the time. You know, it's always good chatting with you, man. I'll try to get you and William Law on a podcast together. I know we talked about that. Oh, that's my that buddy. William yeah. Law's my buddy. He, I he love I, Mr. Law. He's,
1: one, he's the one that's, uh, He's one of my co-writers on the book we're writing, with Erickson, and that uh, Cage right now.
0: Maybe I can have you guys talk about that a little bit. Um, but I always appreciate the time you gave me to talk. And I'll, we'll, we'll talk about your COVID book ne- on the next one, um, just so I can get that out there for people Absolutely. to be able to hear as and well, Feel too. free to edit out my references, to it here. That's why you to get involved on. Where can people uh, find your links?
1: Well, again, I, I, my website is donaldjeffrey.media. Uh, I stress Substack. That's it's called I protest. Just like my weekly show, I, my live streaming show is every Friday from five to seven p.m. Eastern on Rockfin.com and my YouTube channel. But uh, I protest is also the name of my Substack. It's DonaldJeffries at Substack.com. I write regularly there. Uh, that's the best place to keep up with me. If you want to support me, uh, please subscribe to me at Substack.
0: And I'm going to link your links in the description. And um, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of Out of the Blank. Stay tuned for our next episode.